enjoyed this presentation um, of our full interview with Dr. John Boston. Yes. God bless. God bless you. Well, good afternoon. How y'all doing? Good to be here with y'all. Uh, just landed here in Florida. So we're, we're excited to be on site where we will be this Sabbath. Um, I, I guess that can be cut out, but <laughs> we're, 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 we're having to show this today. So we're excited about that. But um, it's good to have our host here. But today we came on because we have a very special guest. As many of you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was a um, 7.3, I think it was, uh, earthquake that hit the island of Haiti or the country of Haiti, the Republic of Haiti and devastation and uh, damage and, and, and so much uh, happened there. And um, a, lot of, a lot of our churches in the United States have been told they can't do anything because they can't get stuff over and it's an ad for this and that. But we are just so excited to have one of our colleagues who, um, who made the trip and connected over there. And so we're happy to have uh, John Boston, Pastor John Boston here with us. Pastor Boston, thank you so much for uh, giving us a little time um, in this week. You are actually on the trip, I think either before or after, we'll get to that in a minute, but we're just so glad that you're here with us. Um, share with share with your, the folks a little bit about uh, what do you do, um, you know, normally. Well, I currently, well, first, thank you for letting me be here. Each of you is, uh, has made such an indelible impression in my ministry from beta years ago when I was a kid and Doc Wade, you let me preach in Indianapolis and Pastor Henry, Dr. Henry and Pastor Paul. I, I don't know that I would actually be here if it weren't for Pastor Paul. I think I've said that before to this audience hmm. because his father married my parents. He officiated their wedding. And so I might not be here if it weren't for him in some way, in some way. So, uh, and Doc Henry, you know, I love you. Uh, knowing you uh, probably is more, more than 20 years now, 25 years. But I currently serve as the associate director of the North American Division Evangelism Institute. So I'm responsible for this critical intersection of instruction at the Adventist Theological Seminary, where I, I serve as a professor there in practical and applied theology. And then I serve the field. So I organize field evangelism for the students to have that exposure. And I support evangelistic initiatives that are um, happening across the territory. As a matter of fact, when I got the call about Haiti, I was in Bridgeport, Connecticut with Dr. Ron Smith, Southern Union president. And uh, we saw 118 people baptized in that evangelistic wow. meeting. So that's what I am Amen. employed to do. That's what I'm, I'm responsible for doing. But uh, yeah, that, that's what that's what I'm currently doing. So, John, so Pastor so, Boston, uh, I know that go ahead. Yeah. I, I know Pastor Boston, I know that your ministry has taken you, you know, all over all over the world. And, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, the situation, the earthquake that happened in Haiti. And um, I know that you are very instrumental in trying to give some relief to our brothers and sisters in Christ there in the country of Haiti. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how you um, got involved with that ministry there sure. in the country of Haiti? Well, I grew up in South Florida, Doc Henry, so I, I did not know that there were so many Americans in America until I went to Oakwood. I thought that everyone was from Haiti or Cuba or Bahamas or Jamaica or Trinidad or Barbados. So I had no concept until I got to Oakwood. 
And uh, so the, the Haitian people in my heart are my people. I grew up uh, going to Haitian churches surrounded by Haitian leaders and Haitian friends and so and Haitian food. And so these, these they are my people. Uh, but I got a call from Pastor Herod Thomas. He is a U.S. Navy chaplain, but he is also the pastor in Northeast. Uh, I'm sorry, Greater New York Conference for the Shiloh Bilingual Seventh-day Adventist Church in the Brooklyn Borough. And he also pastors the Silo E. French Church. And he's one of the pastors that I work with on a regular basis to nurture their evangelistic culture in their church. And I don't believe evangelism is uh, compassion or proclamation. I think it's both. They have to work together wow. for it to be That's effective. Tough. And so working with Pastor Thomas, uh, he's also a D-Men candidate in our, in our seminary. But he called and he said, Pastor Boston, I want us to do something. What, what are your thoughts? And so I said, well, let's rest on it, see what we come up with. And we were impressed to go, uh, the two of us, to go down. And Pastor Thomas pastors a church full of young adult professionals who are second generation uh, Haitian young adults. So their parents migrated here or they migrated at a young age to this country. And they had a heart to take aid to people uh, directly. And right now, the agencies that are in Haiti, I know uh, Pastor Wade mentioned it. it, it's it's a challenge because there are layers of issues in trying to determine where to help because there's so many areas. We were able to meet with every single aid organization that was on the ground that could gather uh, yesterday. And uh, from federal international relief agencies, the United Nations was there, uh, uh, UNESCO was there. We had also um, CRS, every aid organization that could gather was there, Save the Children. And they were trying to figure out how. And then we were invited, Pastor Thomas and I, to meet with the leaders of the southern area, a city called Lakai, which is about four hours drive, 30 minute flight from Port-au-Prince. And it's a difficult drive. I'll tell you about that a little later. But with that being said, the city leader said, as we met people and the city leaders echoed this, uh, they said, we're not the mayor. We met with the mayor of Lakai and, and all of the council members of that city appointed and elected officials. They said, we just aren't getting aid. They, they said, we are exhausted. We're tired of burying our constituents or seeing our constituents come to us for food and we can't provide it. And so there was this gap and those young adults at CELO E in Queens and, and Brooklyn, uh, Shiloh bilingual, they wanted to fill in some gaps. And that's what we went for. We've been raising money and we took that money and we gave it to the people who fell between the cracks, proverbially and li literally, uh, who were falling between the cracks. And we, we were able to bring a lot of aid into some very difficult things. I know you have another question, but I'll tell you one. Let me give you an instance. And there's some things, and Pastor Paul, you know this. I, I think, Pastor Henry, you've done uh, CPEs. Pastor Wade, you all understand. There's just some things you can't share. But I'll share it here because I can give the tone to it that an image cannot give. But there are families right now who did not only need food or shelter, but they're waiting to bury their children, uh, but don't have the ability. Yeah. Don't have the ability to bury their children. And so we were able to bring the resources to give a father what he needed 
to bury his two sons. And uh, we were able to visit with uh, a pastor who's one of the domestic workers who worked in his home and and helped around one of the facilities, the, the, the church facilities. As she, he said he heard screams before he actually felt the ground shake. They were probably experiencing it. They were more aware than he was at the moment. And uh, when they got everyone out, this uh, this precious soul, this domestic worker, she was injured, but he couldn't. He didn't know what hit her, what fell on her, or what what fell into her. And so they put her in the car, and her two children, a two year old and a four year old little girl, they drove her to the hospital in Lakai, and uh, it was at that point overrun. And as she waited to be seen, she said, Pastor, please take care of my girls three times. Pastor, please take care of my girls. Pastor, please take care of my girls. And he said she just stopped living. She, she just couldn't go on. And so he now has a full family and responsibility, and he's charged to provide care for these uh, for these little ones. And so these are the gaps that food alone can't, can't, can't fill, that we went to try to help. And I'm a... Uh, uh, disaster relief chaplain. And of course, Pastor Thomas is uh, a trained chaplain. And so we we did provide spiritual support. And at that point, I will tell you this, my denomination did not matter. What mattered, as one gentleman said, he said, we, we do need money, but all the money in the world cannot give us what you all gave us. You gave us hope to know that we are not forgotten. And our big, the impetus, the driving force for us going to Haiti was that right now the news cycle with what ha- what's happening in Afghanistan, Haiti, unfortunately, is not on the first page or on the front page. And uh, these are our neighbors. These are our people. And I wanted to be there. Pastor Thomas wanted to be there. Shiloh Sinai uh, wanted to be there. John, let me ask you this. The, the challenges that you are seeing as far as getting help and an aid to people, is it that the, the, the resources are not there or is that more of a logistics situation right now? A lot of times we've heard that there's stuff on the ground. We have it. We just, it's just hard to get it to the people that need it. What, what seemed to be your, your, your um, understanding of that at this point? There's layers of challenges. For one, almost everything needs to be brought in by helicopter. We were helicopters were going uh, almost every 30 minutes trying to bring in people, supplies, get people out. Um, uh, When I got there, they were still in search and rescue as of uh, as of yesterday. And today it's now only recovery of persons that have uh, lost their lives. And so that that was still happening while we were there. I traveled this afternoon with uh, an aid organization that provides uh, search, recovery and rescue. And they flew in from the UK uh, to provide that that support. But what um, some of those layers are one, the road to Lakai from Port-au-Prince is challenged with organizations, criminal organizations that seize the supplies and interrupt the supply chain. So that's one challenge. Another challenge is that the uh, oftentimes to bring bulk supplies, the roads don't always support that. And this is what's communicated to me. I, of course, don't specialize in any types of logistics like that. 
And then and then a third challenge that's probably the most significant, in my opinion, from being there is that there is uh, there's so much need that's exacerbated by the fact like last night I was we were out late last night. Uh, it must have been about 10, 11 o'clock. And people are having to now go from getting shelter, a tent or a tarp and sleeping on the ground under the stars to now trying to stay dry because we're, we're gearing up into hurricane season and the ground is wet. Oh and so all of these all of these challenges just exas exacerbate what was going on there. And John, one more question I have, and, and that is, you know, just before this happened, we, you know, knew that Haiti was in turmoil due to the assassination of, of their president. Um, as far as the political scene, and, and is any of that playing into, um, or how, how are you seeing that affect the current situation, or is it at, at all? I, I don't, I don't, I can't speak to it uh as intelligently as I'd like, but I will say that the politics are of such that the local leaders are not getting the, uh, they, they're not sitting at the table. And I can say that from my experience, the, the local leaders in the Southern end of Haiti, where the really the, the heart of where the damage was done, the disaster zone in that area, those local leaders are not at the table. Federal leaders or or na national leaders, they're they're directing how the resources go in. And oftentimes, mm -hmm. in the climate that exists right now, political climate, that's motivated by uh, garnering political influence because I sent these resources. Now I can't speak to the intents of the hearts of men. I can barely read my own heart, but I know it's deceitfully wicked above all else. And uh, but that does make it. Uh, quite a quite a difficult scenario because at a time when people are trying to figure out who's going to lead next, they want to take credit for something that uh, no one needs credit for. Just needs to get the resources needs to get to the people. Yeah. So so you have um, you went over to Haiti. You met some folks. Um, those who are looking, how can we help? Um, I know I know the church is doing something through ADRA. I know ADRA is also on the ground there. The church is doing something. You can send funding through ADRA. Is there the the church organization you went with, do they have a mechanism in which we can help them? Some of our viewers can help them directly. Yeah, it, it'd be, I, I would not uh, suggest, I'm not gonna uh, decline any offer for support, but these are two local churches. These are young adult Haitian professionals. Uh, their pastor, Pastor Herod Thomas, is incredible. And what they decided to do is fill in some of those gaps. And there are a lot of gaps for care. There's a lot of resource gaps. There was one group of uh, a gentleman, a young man named Kevin. Uh, he was uh, in, his, in, in, his, in his home and where he lived, there were multiple homes and he lost three members of his family in his house. And when he realized that he could not save them because they had taken their last breath, he left to go and save as many people as he could. And he was able to save seven other people, save their lives. If they, if he had not carried them, he carried them to where aid could get to them. And wow. I'm going to share that story. Uh, I'll have that story posted on, on my, my Facebook page, but also it'll be on the Shiloh Bilingual Facebook page in uh, out of Brooklyn. But what with stories like Kevin, where Kevin is sleeping now because he doesn't have a home is a, a school, an Adventist school, Seventh-day Adventist school. Ebenezer is the church. 
and the students are not in school. So Kevin and 46 other families who are now homeless, they've gathered. It's 220 people exactly. They've gathered and they put together whatever they can food. So, so what we've done is we set up a GoFundMe. It cost about $150 a day to feed them. They're not sure. And you guys forgive me, I'm not suited and booted and shaved and, and glazed, but I, um, but, but what, what we're doing with this GoFundMe is we're helping people like Kevin. We're helping families like the father I told you about. And that's the, those resources are going to, to individuals directly. Okay. Okay. Well, 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 what a tremendous, um, a tremendous effort that is being made uh, by individuals and also by uh, different agencies. Um, I have one question that I want to ask you, Pastor Boston. Um, when you went to Haiti, how and 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 now you're either on your way back. I think you're back now um, in the United States. How did this trip impact you, as far as? helping others and the um just that family that family perspective that we have as a church that we are all brothers and sisters in christ how did this trip impact you and your ministry hey you know i and and i don't know how to frame this without sounding the wrong way but th this trip was different for me i've been to the border of uh, syria to help with the largest humanitarian crisis in my lifetime and uh at lebanon and i've been there with refugees i've cried with white farmers in south africa and stood with uh blacks in south africa and i have uh been in wildfires in oregon and australia and so so i've seen difficult situations but i think this was so unique because there's not one single problem there are so many things that are happening. Like you mentioned, the assassination of the president, the political upheaval, uh, incoming hurricane season, the earthquake. Even while I was there, you could feel the tension at six o'clock in the morning as the ground is shaking and people run out so that there's nothing covering them because they're traumatized. And so the fact that they have to keep going if they wanna eat, they have to keep going if they want to rebuild is um it's something that that's going to stick with me for a long time the resilience I, I went to bring support and aid but the resilience of, of of the haitian people was absolutely inspiring to me there's one one story i'll tell you and you talk about faith community and we don't always get it right god knows we don't always get it right but there's one story that I loved, and I'll share this. This will be posted with the GoFundMe page, and uh, it'll be posted on our on the church Facebook page for Shiloh Bilingual and my page uh, at John T. Boston II. There was a gathering of about a thousand believers on the 14th as the ground began to shake. They were in prayer, and the pastor was up praying, and as he was praying the ground began to shake and he said the whole building began to move as if it were blowing in the wind but we know wow. the foundation was shaking and he said he could sense the lord tell him to hold up his hands and pray and keep praying and ask everyone to leave while he prayed and as he's praying and telling people to leave the building a thousand people trying to get out of the building with limited exits as he's praying, 
the last person leaves and he walks out while his hands are up. And when he gets outside, the building falls to the ground. And I think that 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 story is the heart of what I experienced there. The fact that the people have this connection with with heaven. There's there was loss, but there is also this sense that we are close enough to the coming of God that that when these things happen, we know that there is going to be that final trump. You know, I can almost hear the trumpet as mm. Gabriel sounds the cry. And uh, just one last story, and I, I don't want to take much time, but uh, another church group, because we visited some church groups, that's not the only reason we were there, a building, their church fell. It was just swallowed by the ground, and thank God no one was in it. Uh, a building next to their church fell to the ground, and they went and took the pieces of the roof with permission, and uh, they erected a structure to gather. And so they're sitting on the ground with cracks that are eight and six to eight and 10 inches wide. And they're sitting on the ground with this makeshift structure that they've built out of the pieces of a fallen warehouse next door. And they're gathering for worship. And I think that these types of stories are just absolutely the, the reason why we've, we've got to try. It was difficult. I had been traveling for three weeks. Uh, this took me a week, an additional week away from home and family. And uh, then when I get home, I have to travel for seven more weeks. But man, it was worth it, Dion. It was worth it to go and be there to make that difference. Mm. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Thank you so much, Dr. Boston. We, we really appreciate the insights that you have brought to us tonight uh, for our viewers um, as they're listening. We will put, we'll post the the GoFundMe page information in our on our page, and uh, we we pray to uh, we pray that God will continue to bless those the, those that you shared the stories about, that God will bless them, and that we will we will see uh, God's glory um, based on what our people do to help and what God can do to um, to to support them in their time of need. 